0: You visit your night? You want to turn, eh? My mum leaves at 9. So you're at 10. <laughs>
1: yes! Where'd you get it from, anywhere? Apparently it was the hand of someone that could connect with the dead.
0: I heard it was the hand of a Satanist. Yeah. The other hand's just out there. Uh.
1: White people shit, man, I tell you. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right, let's do this! (laughs) You know the drill. Say, talk to me. Talk to me. (gasps) Haley, fucking stop it, he's choking! 83 seconds, get it off him! (gasps)
2: What if we open the door, but we didn't shut it? Delete
0: it. Ah! Delete it, come on!
2: The spirits, they followed us. Oh, we have
1: to do something. You want to do it again?
2: they not going to stop.
1: What was it? What? I don't know. I let you in. I let you in.
0: <laughs> oh my god.
2: Welcome to the Strange Harbor's podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang and tonight I'm joined by Amir
1: Ture.
0: And Derek Wong.
2: So this week we are talking about the much-buzzed-about horror sensation of the year, Talk to Me. The movie stars Sophie Wilde, Alexandra Janssen, Joe Bird, and Miranda Otto. And it is directed by YouTube comedy duo and brothers Danny and Michael Filippo, otherwise known as Raka Raka. I actually have an interesting experience with this movie where... It premiered at a bunch of film festivals, and I had probably three or four opportunities to see this before it came out, and I just never did. I think other movies just took priority over this one, and I kind of regretted it every time, because every time the reaction for this movie was like, oh, this movie's the horror movie of the year, everyone's going to be talking about it. And that happened like two or three times this year, where... I was, like, kicking myself for not seeing this movie at the festival. But this movie came out last month, I believe, in July. When did you guys see this?
1: I actually just saw this tonight. Basically just coming out of it. I'd heard the buzz... But I'm like the least of the, I don't know, horror files on this podcast. So I've usually only seen these movies like for the pod at Jeff's instigation. So Instigation? Um, Come on, man. Drag kicking and screaming to another cheap jump scare fest.
0: No, I'm kidding. Drag me to the theater. Exactly. Drag me to the theater. That's exactly it. So I actually saw this yesterday. It's pretty fresh for me as well. This was actually one I was really looking forward to. I've recently been a sucker for A24, especially like horror films. But, you know, life got a little busy over the last month or so. So it's been a little bit hard to get to the theater. And to be honest, I, I don't know. Maybe if we didn't do this on the pod, I might not have gotten to it. So I guess I'm glad Jeff also dragged... No, i was kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah.
2: Amir, you just moved. What's the theater situation in... West Virginia? Is that where you are? Yeah, yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, So the theater situation is, well, we don't have the IMAX as we did in New York, that's for yeah. sure. I'm going to have to find a way to enjoy these theater experiences, these big releases somewhere else, because we don't have those. But other than that, it's fine. There's a couple of theaters around, like in 20, 30 minutes drive of me that, you know, they show everything. They show them on time. I was able to see Mission Impossible down here not too long ago. Uh, You know, I was able to see this. You know, you might have to go to a slightly farther theater depending on the times that a movie's showing, especially this one, which has been out for a while.
2: Mm -hmm. So,
1: like, I didn't get to see this at, like, the very closest theater. But, yeah, there's plenty of opportunity around here movie-wise. I guess just, again, because this was out a while and it is a weeknight, not a very packed theater. Like, the theater experience wasn't, like, super amazing.
0: I was actually quite surprised that my theater had, on a weeknight, and yeah, this movie's, like we said, it's almost been out a month. Had a, still a decent amount of people. I still had like 10 people in my theater and I was not expecting that much, but I was pleasantly surprised that I had a couple people to watch it with.
2: Yeah, I saw this three weeks ago. So that was already like a week or two after its release. And it was pretty packed. A lot of people went to see this. And, you know, honestly, I think this is the way to do it for these studios. Low budget horror movies, $5 million, release it $10 million opening weekend instead of putting like 200 million dollars into a huge gamble that might be a gigantic bomb you never know this is the way to do it i mean they're killing it with these horror movies this year this one did 10 million dollars opening weekend pretty solid for an indie a24 movie
0: currently it's at what worldwide box office is at 50 and This is off a $4.5 million budget, which is kind of crazy to me. Yeah. I would have guessed that based on what we saw in the film that it would have cost more. So Color be impressed that what they got on film with that budget, it's pretty good.
2: And it's kind of funny because it's from a YouTube comedy duo. And I actually checked out some of their YouTube videos after the fact. I had never even heard of these guys, Raka Raka, Michael and Danny, Filippo, but checked out their videos. Fucking awful, by the way. Terrible comedy. (laughs) 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 That's hilarious. (laughs) Some of the worst shit I've ever seen is so bad. So I feel like if I'd been like following their stuff before, I'd be like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know if this movie's going to be any good. Everyone's hyping this movie up. Everyone's saying it's the horror movie of the year. Do you guys agree? Disagree?
0: What other horror movies have there been this oh, year? Oh, what I other trying horror trying movies?
2: I've been watching so many horror movies lately. No, no,
0: no, no. no. That's not like an insult. I'm just trying, trying to think. Try to yeah, 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 no, to no. Remember. Yeah. So if you remember any, please shoot them off, Jeff.
2: <laughs> Megan came out this year. Okay, yeah,
0: Megan. Yep, yep. Okay. I don't know.
2: I know a lot of, like, indie horror movies. Who Sarah the Bone Woman was just really fucking good. Cobweb, which I saw last week, another small horror movie starring Lizzie Kaplan and Anthony Starr, Homelander from The Boys. What else came out this year? The Last Voyage of the Demeter, the Dracula on a Boat movie. Is that a horror movie? It's definitely a horror movie. It's Dracula on a boat. I mean...
1: All right. It's not a comedy or something? I don't know. I, maybe a- it's
2: not a comedy. It's definitely not a comedy. It's taken from the chapter of Dracula where he's on the boat. Oh. It's actually part of the dracula mythos bram stoker novel you
0: know okay we got evil dead rise this year oh yeah
2: evil dead rise
0: yeah we got a new scream this year we got knock at the cabin infinity pool we've talked about a couple uh, horror Mm -hmm. movies already this year on this podcast
1: as someone who's seen more horror than we have what do you think
2: jeff
0: is it the horror movie of the year
2: so, everyone was hyping this up, and what does this thing have on Rotten Tomatoes? Like 94 or something?
0: Both were pretty high, but I think the critic one is higher, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, everyone loved this, and then I came out, it was all right.
1: <laughs> Ooh, really interesting.
2: It was okay. This movie is a great short film that got stretched out into a feature uh-huh. length. And Good. granted, it's short. It's short. It's like 90-something minutes, so it's not even two hours, mm-hmm. hour and a half. But still, I felt like they had the scares in mind, and they had that ending in mind. Yes. And then they didn't know how to fill out the rest. Have the
1: connective tissue. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: I think that's what it is. There's some awkwardness in the movie where, I don't know, we'll get to this, but like the optics are kind of weird when it comes to its depiction of race. I'm not a huge stickler for stuff like that, but for it to not mention it at all is weird. There are definitely things I liked. A lot of things I liked about this movie, too. I think the performances are good. I think Sophie Wilde is great as Mia, and the thing that everyone comes to this movie for which is the seance scenes, those are the meat of the movie. Those are really fucking good. And yeah. there aren't that many of them in the movie. I was kind of bummed. I wanted to see more of that. Really? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. wow. There was
1: more than I thought there was going to be. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was going to be like, there's one seance and it's super fucked up and the rest of the movie is just them being like haunted by a ghost or whatever. Like, I didn't think they'd just like... Mm keep going back to the seance thing again and again and again. Which did work. It's not like I was tired of it. It was good. But yeah. I was surprised we got as much as we did. So I felt completely the opposite. Oh, I was like, interesting. Oh, pleasantly surprised we have so much seance stuff. Overall, what did you think, though, Amir? Um, I liked it. I think I was more positive on it than Jeff. Maybe because I see uh, less horror. I definitely felt the weird flappiness mm-hmm. of the middle in a movie that was so short. Definitely felt it. But you know, I quite liked it. I thought it was good. I, I think especially the first half is really good. And yeah. then like, it gets a little slow, and then the ending is good. But I do feel the flabbiness just talking about, maybe this is better. Maybe not as a short film, maybe it's like a 60-minute movie or something.
2: 60-minute movie. That's probably like <laughs> outrageously
1: short for a feature film. I totally feel exactly like that criticism. Okay, I liked it, but actually my feeling come out of this movie is that it was effective at making me feel bad.
2: Dude, this is a mean movie. Dude, all
1: right. Do you guys know that like Trent Reznor quote? No.
2: No. What's the Trent Reznor
1: quote? Okay, so he goes to the festival. It's the Lowlands Festival in 2013. He goes, he's like, all right, how are you guys tonight? Having a good time? Ready to party? Have fun? Yeah. Well that was the last guys. Wrong fucking band. We're here to have a bad (laughs) time. Let's fucking do this. So yeah, if you know Trent Reznor, nine inch nails, right? Like that's dead on. And that's how I felt coming out of the movie. I was like, ooh, that was a bad time. And that means it was a good, effective horror movie. Like, I felt bad coming out of it. Almost more sad than horrified. It's kind of a bad time. It's a little bit of a rough watch. <laughs> yeah, kind of a downer. Yeah, it's a downer. It's a downer. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, what about you, Derek? I'm going to paint some really broad strokes. I feel like when we talk about horror, there's like two classifications. The last couple of years, we've seen these. Jeff, you hate this term, right? Elevated horror, right? Ugh. A horror that that somehow has some deeper meaning to It's trying to say something. But then I think sometimes there's just horror that is just fucking awesome. There's like great jump scares. There's great setups. There's great set pieces. And maybe it's not really trying to say something. There's some really cool stuff in it that just really elevates the movie to like this new level. Uh, I think the last movie maybe we talked about, Jeff, that kind of falls into this classification is maybe like Barbarian. Mm. I thought that was a really fun ride. I don't remember it being meaningful in any way. You know, like, there was no meaning to it. But it had, like, you know, a cool Bill Skarsgård twist. It had a cool villain. It had a cool little plot device. So, yeah, there are a lot of things to like about that movie. Mm. But I don't think it was trying to say anything. You know, like, I don't think it was talking about, like, depression or anything like that. Like, a Midsommar. But I think, ultimately, this movie talked to me fails because I think it is trying to say something without successfully saying it. It's trying to portray maybe some deeper meaning and dive into things like depression and grief and letting go, but I don't think it fully fleshes out that idea. But then it also has something to say about addiction, drug Mm -hmm. use, that I don't think it completely talks well about and i don't think those two things really talk well together in this movie so ultimately i didn't really like this movie when i came out of it like you guys there were moments where i thought oh there's some really cool moments here uh one scene in particular really was spectacular we can talk about that. <laughs> i know what you're talking about we'll definitely about. talk about that in spoilers Amir, I think you said the beginning's good, the middle's a little weak, and then the ending's great. I kind of agree. I think the beginning's good. I think the premise is really fun, and the way Mm -hmm. it kind of sets up this hand. We've seen it all over the promos, but after that, the movie goes downhill, and I think I really actually didn't like the ending, and we can kind of get into that, too.
2: I didn't like the lead-up and the things surrounding the ending, but I liked the ending itself like the gut punch of the ending and looking (laughs) back i feel like that's probably the only way this movie could have ended i think that was their intention i think they had this ending in mind they're like they really want to do this ending
0: yeah that's what it feels
2: like. but they couldn't really get there organically throughout the movie i don't know it feels weird i agree with you the Classification of metaphor in horror, or like metaphorer, what people call it. <laughs> metaphor, that's funny. Like that. <laughs> people really bristle against it, and I'm actually okay with it because you know, if you're gonna connect the ideas of trauma and abuse and grief with a the genre, then horror is probably the one to do it, right? And sometimes you do it quite poorly, like. Alex Garland's men. I know you don't agree, (laughs) Derek, but going back to that one, I definitely didn't like it there. And this one didn't bother me as much, but I agree with you, Derek. I don't think it's actually saying anything deep or meaningful.
1: So I kind of struggle with that same thing you're talking about, Derek, but like the addiction metaphor is so obvious and on the surface and like not saying anything that in the end i kind of was like all right they're like not doing anything with this it's just a horror movie yeah yeah and so it didn't bug me like i get why you're bugged cuz at first i was trying to be like all right like fuck else is going on here and i think the answer is nothing right <laughs> yeah, right yeah okay the, yeah the answer is we're trying to make a good fun horror movie i think they mostly did Is that like searching for a deeper meaning metaphor, like emptiness thing that you're complaining about? It didn't bother me, but I totally get where you're coming from with that, because I felt the Mm -hmm. same thing through the first little bit. I was like, all right, where are we going with this? The answer's kind of nowhere.
2: All right, before we get further in, should we give a little plot synopsis of the movie? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so I'm just going to read off what it says on the site. When a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. Kind of a vague synopsis. And I gotta say, this thing is not an embalmed hand. It's just like a ceramic hand. I don't know why I keep saying embalmed in all these reviews and synopses, but... It's just like a clay or papier-mâché hand or something. I don't think it's embalmed. It does not look embalmed to there's me. There's an embalmed hand underneath. Yeah, maybe. You crack it open and there's like a mummy hand in there. That's
0: what they say. That's what they say, but it's not answered. They never, yeah, yeah, I was actually yeah. kind of waiting for it, but it never comes.
2: So how this thing works is there's some murky origins to the hand. No one really knows where it comes from. So what's happened in the movie is that it's become this viral sensation on social media, where people at parties record themselves doing the conjuration with a hand and post it online. So what you do is you put the hand in front of you, you grip it, and you say, talk to me, and it shows you undead spirits. You can also say, I let you in, and you let the spirit possess you, but you can also let go of the hand within, what is it, 90 seconds to like sever the connection. But the warning is that if you hold on too long, that a piece of the demonic entity will linger with you or stay with you. So that's basically the premise of the movie. Cool premise. I do like the premise of the movie. Like combining social media and how things go viral. The idea of, oh, is this real? Is this not real? What I particularly liked
1: was the fact that the metaphor doesn't say anything, but I liked that there's a reason they keep going back and doing this. And it's not Mm -hmm. just to, like, watch your friends do goofy, fucked-up things or whatever. It's because the actual experience of commuting with the spirits feels really good. Mm -hmm. She keeps wanting to do it again and again because it's a really good-feeling experience. Although she describes it in a weird way. She describes it as feeling good because she's, like, dissociating and, like, distanced from herself. It does strike one immediately as like a coping mechanism as someone using dissociative drugs to get away from the trauma mm-hmm. in their lives right like that's the immediate thing you think of but the fact that it remains it's not just they're like oh let's keep fucking with the demonic hand it feels like shit but let's keep doing it it's like no it feels good yeah and that's how you get into trouble so i, I did like that
2: yeah mm-hmm. that's like one of the best aspects of the movie because i feel like a lot of horror movies are like this is clearly a bad idea why would you fucking do this you know And to build on what you said, Amir, obviously, because it feels good, that's why these kids keep doing it. But I feel like when I'm watching this, I can see real people trying to do this just because they saw it on social media. Dude, a thousand percent. Right? Like, oh, that's so fucking weird. It's clearly not real. Let's just fucking do it. It just builds the mystique of this thing. It's like, oh, is it real? Is it fake? It's like this viral sensation. Oh, I that- heard a guy killed
1: himself. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: It's like urban legend type stuff, you know?
1: Yeah,
0: and
2: it's like, oh, I saw a YouTube video. He really did it. It's like, nah,
1: man, that's not real. That's bullshit or whatever. Like, yeah. It's like, okay, sure. prove it. It's kind it. of
0: like piggyback off this idea of I think what this movie does great and captures real life in a way is, like you said, Amir, talking about like social media. I have this weird pet peeve where, like, in movies, Especially the last couple of years, because social media is such a big thing. Like, movies have to always feel like they have to use cameras as a way to capture things. In any instance, everyone is pulling out their camera.
2: You mean like their phone camera? Yeah, pulling out a phone
0: camera. But like, oh, we got to capture this and we got to post it online or whatever. I have this pet peeve of I don't ever feel like movies get it right. I don't know if I've ever seen a crowd of people pull out a camera and all want to post and like not do anything about whatever the situation is, right? The beginning of this movie, when they're at the party, this guy is clearly distressed. He's cut up, bloody, and everyone just decides to pull out their phone, just want to post it online. I don't think people really act like that. I would never do that. That's really insensitive. Mm. That was really fake to me. But then when you get to the party scene, when you get to the seance scene, I'm like, oh, this feels really real to me. If I were at a party and it became clear that people were getting possessed... I'd be like, dude, I want to get this on video, too. (laughs) I want to experience this. I want to get this on video. So, like, that felt really real to me. Mm. Uh, So, I did appreciate that about this movie.
2: The centerpiece of the movie are clearly the seance scenes, and they're really good. They're the best part of the movie. I mean, let's not kid ourselves, right?
1: Yeah, the makeup and effects they use on their faces are really good.
2: Yeah, the The creature effects are really good. The
1: cuts and blocking are really good. Everything about it is, yeah, those seance scenes are great. And the demons are assholes too. They see some fucked up shit.
2: Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, They're like taunting deadite type stuff, you know?
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. They're yes, very evil dead. Absolutely. Dad.
2: Yeah. So, like, watching these scenes, I'm like, oh shit, Raka Raka got the juice. You know, they're doing like the swiveling cameras and then the fantastic sound design. It's good stuff, the sand scenes. I don't know if I needed more of it, but I feel like the connective tissue, like you said, Amir was so weak that I just wanted more of the good stuff. You know what
0: I mean? Yeah, I particularly love the scene where it's like them all doing it and it's just like a montage of them all like getting possessed by different demons and it's hopping from one person to another. I I thought that was really done really well. And even that first seance with Mia, right, where it has like hints of whatever the ghost spirit is. You know, they don't linger on them and you know they're there. And I love the restraint sometimes, but they don't even show us what they're seeing, right? Like, you know, just based on their acting, their performance, that it's something like super creepy or super scary. Uh, I thought that was really well done.
2: In this instance, I kind of wanted to see more Mm. of like what they were seeing because the creature effects were so good. The first ghost that Mia sees is like the bloated corpse. Woman. Yeah. 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 It was great. It looked nasty. It was good stuff. The demonic images and corpses are all so super good. Yeah. The way they're, like, bruised up. They all look great. Decomposing. Yeah, I gotta agree. And then, you know, the second one with Joe Bird as Riley, that's the nasty one, right? Where he's hanging on a little too long and he gets possessed. You know, just because Mia thinks that it's her dead mom. That's possessing Riley.
0: Even before we get to what happens after he's in there for a little bit too long or Mm -hmm. she's in there a little bit too long, I think that performance was spectacular. They don't show us who it is, but you could just tell from his face that it's her mom, right? Mm -hmm. Because he recognizes her. He recognizes whatever spirit he is seeing. And it's like, oh shit, should I do this? And he lets her in. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys knew. I was like, Oh, it's the mom. And we're about to like interact with the mom. That was a spectacular piece of writing, I think.
2: Yeah. Joe Bird killed it in that scene. Yeah. And also, you know, when he's like actually possessed, possessed, and he's trying to kill himself at the party. That was (laughs) fucking insane. Gnarly. Shocking, insane stuff. He's like trying to rip out his own eyeball with his hands. It's fucking nasty. Bashing his
1: head into the table and the wall, and it's wild. It's brutal stuff.
0: The eye thing, really. Yeah, that one, like, took That's me out. <laughs> it's him banging his head on the table. I've seen plenty of people bash their heads against, like, no, tables or no, get bashed no. against walls, but, yeah, the eye thing, doing it to yourself like that, it's just, I can't it's do that. wild, no, yeah. That it's was like wild. scooping it out with, like, your fingers, with, like, your bare yeah. fingers. Oh, my God. And I really thought he was going to kill himself, and, like, I guess, I, I, it, it did take me a little bit surprised, like, right at the end when the sister comes in and, like, puts her hand there to like, save his life, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah,
1: that was great. That's gnarly, too. She, like, breaks her hand. That's really good. Before all of that, though, I'll say... I think the dynamics between all of the characters are, like, exactly right. Yeah. They really nail Mia's relationship with Jade and Riley... And the relationships with Haley and John, like, all of them, the relationship of Riley and Jake with their mom, all of it is really good. Throwing Daniel in the mix, with there's, like, the weird kind of semi-love triangle. Like, all of it really, really, really works. Even just her and Riley singing uh, Sia in the car
2: Mm -hmm. at the very beginning. Like,
1: all the dynamics are really, really working. They're set up really, really well. And lead pretty seamlessly into, like, the seance horror aspects of it. So I just think the table setting they do to set up these relationships is really good, too, because that's part of why the movie is so feel-bad, is because you do actually get to understand the dynamics of, like, the central family and the central relationships there, and to see the disintegration is really painful.
2: I think they did a great job conveying that dynamic. I think the characters are all pretty... Unlikable. I don't really like any of the characters, but that's fine. I don't really mind that. Interesting. But I do get it. I do get that you instantly understand the dynamic, right? I think this idea of Mia's found family with Jade and Riley and their mom, that's instantly conveyed to you through, you know, just the dynamics between the characters. And even before you find out about Mia's mom's death, her distance from her father. It all makes sense. I think it's all very, very well drawn. I know, Amir, you were talking about the drug abuse allegory here and not really having it amount to anything, which I definitely do agree with, but they also like put in this thread with the mom and the overdose. If they right, didn't yeah. want to say anything about that and they didn't really care about that, I feel like they shouldn't have put that in with the mom.
1: I think it's twisting the knife, though, right? Because the mom's rejection of Mia mm-hmm. at that time, I don't know if it like drives her to go back to the hand, but it certainly doesn't help. Like right, It is right, painful right. to see her reject her almost adopted daughter like that, right? Like That mm-hmm. scene sucks. I wouldn't say it's more horrific than the horror stuff, because the horror stuff is really done well, but it certainly adds to it. I think it's a testament to their ability to, again, like set the dynamic so quickly that you feel the pain of that rejection when she accuses Mia of possibly having, you know, given her son drugs to cause him to injure himself so horribly. I guess that probably leads right into, like, the race stuff, right? Is that where you're gonna go next, probably?
2: Yeah. The race stuff kind of bothers me, I think, for them to not even acknowledge what they're doing here, portraying a black broken family and then This white family that Mia becomes kind of a part of. And then going into the ending where everything just ends horribly for Mia and her dad. And the mom's like a drug addict who may or may not have committed suicide. There's a stark contrast there that they don't even bother to like mention at all. I don't know. It's weird. It stuck out to you. Yeah, it Mm -hmm. stuck out to
1: me. Interesting. didn't stick out to me i don't know if it's because it's australian i guess like it's not it is a black broken family but it's not a stereotypical one the stereotype would be like oh that the dad's not around or whatever and then like you know it's just the mom and her kids and right? like in this case that's not the case right and like the reason they're a broken family is because the mom struggled with mental health issues and killed herself right mm-hmm. i don't know that she was a drug addict by the way like i'm not sure where you're getting that i think she was just like a depressive and she killed herself with pills
2: I thought there was a mention of her overdosing. I think
0: that was the way for, yeah, her, to her, for her to commit suicide. I think that was her commit suicide. Yeah. I think she killed herself with a pill. So that but was I, my impression. I get the same vibe as yeah. Amir. She dealt with some kind of depression. The way that she shook her life was pills.
2: I got the impression that she had a drug oh, problem. Oh, so that, that might
1: have made me feel differently about it. Yeah. So yeah, that might have been a little, oh, like, mother-like daughter, like the black girl and her drug addict mother. Now she's a drug addict too, and she's introducing the drugs to my kid. I could yeah. totally see that. That being really fucking weird.
2: I caught that thread. Maybe it wasn't there. I don't know. I have to rewatch to pay more attention to that. But I got that feeling, so this whole movie, I was just like, especially towards the end, I was like, this feels kind of weird. There's a lot, yeah. <laughs> you know, this whole story is like a kick the shaggy dog kind of movie, and then for everything to turn out fine for the white family, and then everything be horrible for the black family just feels kind of weird.
1: I was kind of glad that it was sort of race blind. Like, it just happens to be a black horror movie protagonist, and bad things happen to those people. And, yeah, 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 and yeah. Uh, oh, that's fair. I was kind of just glad that the movie also didn't kill the kid.
2: Mm-hmm. And have mm. him like
1: writhing in hell forever. Cause that image of him being like torn at by the spirits or whatever was super fucked up. That was another yeah. really effective scene, I thought.
0: That was a really cool detail. She sees this kid, right? This ghost kid. And then the ghost kid was like, I let you in. So it's like she's possessing her, right? She's seeing like the underworld or wherever that is. And I was like, oh, that's a cool idea too. Yeah. It's so quick, and you might have missed it, or it's not a big, flashy thing, but I thought that was a really cool detail.
2: But everything becomes a little hazy in the end, like with the rules and stuff, with the hand. Yes. It just feels like it's rushed, and they didn't really bother to figure out what the rules are supposed to be. You know, I think people can make the argument that, oh, it's supposed to be ambiguous. You're not sure if the demons are telling the truth or not, but it feels flimsier than that. It feels like they never really figured out. What they wanted to do with the possession and the demons and stuff. And they kind of just glossed over everything to get to the end of the movie. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think we have to talk about the end because there's something I want to talk about. And you're kind of starting to get into it, Jeff, about the flimsiness of (laughs) the rules of this hand and the rules of possession. And the rules of just the premise of this whole movie that Mm -hmm. I want to dive into a little bit, but I can't until maybe we talk about the ending. So, like, the ending of this movie is that there is, like, a really quick mention when she gets first possessed that she let the demon in for a couple seconds over 90 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you start to believe something effed up is kind of starting to happen to Mia. Like, she's starting to see the ghost without even having to use the hand, she keeps seeing visions of her mother that's talking to her, that's telling her false information, right? <laughs>
2: she wakes up sucking Danny's toes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking that weird as shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then by the end of it, this ghost appearing as her mother is like basically convinced her the only way to save Riley is to kill Riley.
2: Yeah, to free his soul, you have to kill
0: him. Yeah, right. You have to kill him. He's already like battered and beat in this hospital. She basically kidnaps him out of the hospital, puts him in a wheelchair. And is going to run him off the side of a road and basically, like, kill him by having a car hit him.
2: Okay, that actually kind of makes sense because Riley, up until this point, when he's in the hospital, you know, every time he wakes up and regains consciousness, he tries to kill himself, right? Yes. So, Mm -hmm. that's some other really fucked up horror set pieces in this movie where he wakes up and he's trying to bash his head against the wall and Mm -hmm. just... And his own misery, I
1: guess. Licking the blood. Yeah, licking the blood.
2: Oh, my God. That was crazy.
1: It's insane. But been previously said in the movie that if someone dies while possessed by those things, they have him forever. So, like, Mm -hmm. we've already heard that this thing that Mia is going to do is, like, the opposite of what she should do. Right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Riley's sister, Jade, also goes, like, oh, looks like he might be getting a little better, like, right when she starts Mm -hmm. to make this hallucination-induced decision to try to push him to the road. Right. Yes.
0: So, like, they're at the side of the road. She's about to push him in. Like, Jade's right behind them, like, you know, screaming, like, don't do it. And it cuts to the inside of a car that's on the road. And all of a sudden, something hits the car. They have to veer. And, you know, we all think it's Riley. But then the surprise is that it's Mia. Yeah, Mia's in the middle of the road, lying down. Looks like she's been hit by a car. Then she gets up and then is fine, kind of, mangled, but fine. She's, like, walking through the hospital. She sees Riley, Jade, and the mom. Looks like Riley is getting better, and, like, they leave the hospital. Her dad, who she stabbed earlier, is fine and leaving the hospital, and then she hears a match strike, you know, lights a candle, and then she's in this dark room and, like, sees his hand out, and she puts her hand out, reaches for it, and then what happens is that she is now... The ghost, right? She is mm-hmm. the ghost that is going to possess his body because she sees this room full of people holding on to her hand and he says, talk to me. Or he says, I let you in?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 they say, yeah. I let you in. I let, let you in. In. Yeah.
0: in. I don't know what language that is, but it's a foreign language. So it's somewhere else, not in the US or not in Australia. And that's the end of the movie. The uh, implication is that Riley are okay, the family's okay, the dad's okay, but Mia's dead. Mm-hmm. and Now she is a wandering ghost to be part of this game of talk to me. The talk to me hand.
2: I thought the ending was cool. It's very cool. Very effective.
1: I liked the hospital lights shutting off. guess this wandering spirit in the dark. And she's clearly like lost and plaintive and calling out for her dad. And no one can hear her. And she's slowly realizing that she's dead. And I thought it was really, really good.
2: I thought it was really clever. And I think going back to the structure of this movie. I feel like the filmmakers had this idea of this hand seance and then they were like okay the ending is going to be that the main character is going to die and she's going to be the ghost that enters other people at these parties or whatever so that's like the big twist and that's what they wanted to do like that's the idea that they had but everything around it is just not as buttoned up or fleshed out you know what i mean
0: I agree with you guys. The concept of it is very cool Mm -hmm. to be shocked by like, oh shoot, she's the ghost now. Like she's the hand. Right. Mm -hmm. But exactly what you're saying, Jeff, I think that was my exact feeling. And that's the problem is that I saw their thought process. So I feel like I saw their thought process that they were just trying to get to this really cool ending without really thinking it through without really like, what does this mean? Because Throughout this movie, I feel like it's establishing that it wants you to believe that these are just, like, random ghosts, you know, that show up for the hand. But then starts to feel like, no, it feels like a very targeted thing. Like, these things are targeting Mia and the people that are possessed around her, right? Something goes into Riley to fuck up Riley. Mm -hmm. Something goes into Mia again to, like, suck Daniel's foot, right? Mm -hmm. Something knows who mia's mother is and uses that against her it feels very methodical and thought out but then the ending then reestablishes that no it's just random ghost because she has no idea how to get to where she's going it's just a light that shows up and she puts her hand out
1: so i think it is random and i think They maybe got unlucky that Mia's mother was... Possessing Riley. That's a question.
0: Do you guys believe that's her mother? I'm not sure. Like, I don't know. Do you
1: need to be part of this cycle to be one of the trapped ghosts? Or is it just any spirit? Yeah. That's kind of the same question you're asking. Like, is that her mom? Or is it something pretending to be her mom? Because it can read her mind. Would her mom even be a part of this cycle? Or is your mom just, like, a spirit somewhere else? Like, do you have to have been involved in this hand shit to become one of the hand spirits?
2: hmm It's unclear, and, you know, I'm all for ambiguity and stuff like this, but when it becomes, like, convincing that the filmmakers and the writers are like, eh, I don't know. That kind of bothers me. And yes. I feel like that's what came through, where they were just like, eh, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not that... It was deliberately ambiguous. They kind of just didn't care to explain any of the stuff behind it. It seemed haphazard and... Thrown together. Yeah. Thrown together. Yeah. I
1: get that feeling. I think it bothered me the least of the three of us. hmm That internal consistency logic thing. But I'll compare it to a film which impeccably nails the like internal logic in a way that makes it feel much stronger than this. And that's It Follows.
2: Mm. Yes. A lot of... Comparisons from yes. this movie to it follows. It follows is
1: so fucking clear on how it works and yes. what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah, there's yeah. ambiguity at the end, but it's clearly on purpose, creepy ambiguity. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, throughout the movie, she had sex with that dude. It's coming for her, right? And mm-hmm. if she has sex with somebody else, it'll change that person. That's kind of what they do, right? That couple at the end. This one, it's like, is it possession? Why does Mia. Get to see the ghost without the hands now. Oh, because she's overdosed, right? She's gone over 90 seconds, right? So, like, yeah, but if there's this rule that's established that the longer you aren't away from that possession, you should be recovering. And she doesn't seem to be recovering. She gets worse while Riley gets better, right? Yeah, you're right. We saw Riley like really fucked up. And then by the end, you know, we see this little premonition or whatever that she has, and Riley and the family are okay. Riley does recover. So, that rule is set as the longer you're away from the ghost. You recover, they said like two seconds, so she should be yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. but then what about the kid from the beginning or whatever? He
1: also goes crazy and you know starts hallucinating and stabs his brother and eventually kills himself.:
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's my point. It's just like the rules are very like Jeff said, whatever's convenient for whatever they need.
1: If you want to carry the like metaphor of the film forward, shit happens in life. Some people smoke till they're 90 <laughs> and don't get lung cancer, and some people have never smoked <laughs> at
0: all. And that's end up- true. It's genetics. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. You have to maybe read into it a little bit more than I am, but it just felt the rules were very loose. And like Jeff said, based on whatever they needed for yeah, arbitrary whatever they needed Mm. for that particular scene.
2: Yeah, I guess like some people do crack for the first time and they just keel over, right? And they die. Yeah, yeah,
0: sure. Yeah, maybe Maybe that's what it is. Like I said, yeah, there's already talks about, and I think it's already been announced that there is a second movie in development because it's did so well. I mean, would you guys want to see another one? Does it need another one? I don't think it needs I'd it. rather see them do something different. Something different as in like, don't follow Mia or just don't do this second movie? I mean,
2: they already shot... A prequel to this like it's already shot oh so
0: is that like the whole brother stuff that was really weird to me the two brothers at the beginning i guess they go visit the brother again that was pointless they didn't get anything from that other brother yeah Yeah, that's life
1: sometimes sometimes you ask a guy for help and he's like fuck you i can't help you yeah fuck you i guess yeah (laughs) sure i don't know
0: that's very real (laughs) man like what do you expect
1: from this fucking random dude who's he's not a fucking wizard he doesn't know anything about this shit
2: He's just like, oh, we did the Sands so and we got
1: fucked. <laughs> that was basically it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe you should not do that shit or whatever.
0: <laughs> Jeff, it kind of reminds me of X and then like Pearl, you know, like Pearl mm. in like the prequel. And then maybe we'll get, a, you know, Maxine's coming out. And then I guess maybe Talk to Me too will be like... I don't know. I guess the question still stands. We know there's another movie in development. So like, would you want it to be the continued adventures of Mia? Or do you think it should be like a whole new group?
1: I'm not into continued adventures. It'd be better if we saw something different. Mm-hmm. But I would see the follow-up. I think they earned enough goodwill with me that I would see a follow-up. Okay. I wouldn't rush out to see it. If you guys are like, hey, let's watch it, I'd be like, all right, I'm not going to like argue
2: against it. They're good enough at this that I want to see what they do next. It doesn't have to be Talk to Me Too, but... I mean, they got horror chops. They got the juice, I think. Just the way they shot some of the things here and how genuinely fucked up some of this stuff was i did yeah like a lot of this and maybe a lot of the problems are indicative of first time writer directors you know so i'm game
0: probably the only way you're gonna get me to watch a second one is probably you know we do it for the podcast like i don't know if i really need to return to this world yeah i was a little frustrated by the end of this but If you tell me there's a really cool scene like the party scene again, then maybe. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I do think the possession stuff is really cool in this movie. Like, that scene where Riley just messes himself up, it's definitely gnarly enough that it's ingrained in my mind a little bit now. There are really cool elements with this movie, but I do think that some of the plot holes leave me a little frustrated.
2: You guys going to buy the hand from the A24 store?
0: (laughs) Bro, if I didn't even buy the butt plug, I'm not buying the hand. <laughs> <laughs> From
2: everything, ever, all at once, yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> I feel like a little bit of a traitor if I bought another A24 item without buying that first. <laughs> you can do both. In fact, they might I work together. One can hold the other. They would work together, yes. <laughs> One can hold the other. That's pretty funny. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up?
2: Yeah, I think that's it.
0: All right. Well, Jeff, where can people find more of your work?
2: You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at
0: strangeharbors.
2: What about you guys?
1: You can find me not participating in addictive demonic rituals. How about you, How about you
0: Derek? <laughs> you can find me at the world's OKest photos on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our show is to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google, or any of the other popular apps. If you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our voices out to more people.
2: Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on Talk To Me, feel free to shoot us an email at StrangeHarbors.com. We like getting listener mail, and sometimes we read it out on the pod. So with that, we will see you guys next week.
0: See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.